0: Are so many amazing perks of being sober. And one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level. And it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor one skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how, when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before, but let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about OneSkin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code happiest at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code happiest. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives. And when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again, rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now. And it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp hel happiest Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I hope that your week is off to a great start. I have an amazing guest for you today. Um, Today, I'm chatting with Deb Masner. And Deb is the host of a podcast called Alcohol Tipping Point. I actually joined her on her podcast for a super fun chat. And that episode just came out a few weeks ago. So um, be sure to go check out her podcast, check out that episode. But oh my god, Deb is just such a joy to talk to. I loved having this conversation with her. We get to hear all about her story we also get to hear about her perspective on sobriety um, as a registered nurse which is super interesting to talk about I love talking about the science behind alcohol that's something that really really helped me in my early sobriety and that is something that I will talk more about on this podcast very soon but yeah oh my god such a good conversation we also chat about kind of doing sobriety your own way like finding the way that resonates that works best for you Um, she just has so many incredible insights to share on that. So it was such a great combo. I'm excited to share it with you today. And with that being said, I won't make you wait any longer to hear it. So here's my chat with Deb. Hi, Deb.
1: Hey, Madeline. It's so good to connect with you again.
0: Oh my God. So good to chat again. So excited to have you on. How are you doing today?
1: I'm awesome. Awesome. I am looking forward to our interview together. I'm glad that we got to connect, and you were on my show. I know, so it's it's just been great getting to know you. And thank you, thank you for having me. Likewise, thanks for being here.
0: Um. Okay, so what is what's your sober date? How long have you been sober for?
1: So my date is January first, 2020. So just over three years, well, Congrats. I guess three years, four months, almost three years, five months. It wow. kind of seems weird now. That's you, great. That, yeah. That's a lot of time. <laughs> well, it's, it's like you stop counting days and yeah. then you stop counting months and then you're kind of counting years. It's like when you have kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, I think the same, not that I have kids, but I always laugh like, oh my God, I count my sobriety. Like people count like a toddler's age. <laughs>
1: Do you know like yours down to the day or I are don't you just... know
0: mine down to the okay. day, but I do. I remember my monthly milestones just because I'm so in the habit of like when it's the eighth of the month, I am I always notice it. So like I know that I think my last month I passed was like 29 months, but I usually have to like when it's the eighth, I have to count back and check because I, I can never keep track really anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, well, mine's easier. Cause it, it was one of those January 1st. Resolutions I was going to say, that yeah, wow, so. that's, I, I think that's such a fun sober
0: date to have.
1: Well, thank you. Well, really yeah. any
0: day is fun. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, okay. So that being said, it was just like a new year's resolution. Was it going to be a dry January? Was it going to be a break? Like what was your intention when you started that day? Oh, well,
1: good question. By then I was done. I okay. was like, we are divorced okay. and if I could <laughs> kill you, I would. Um, <laughs> no, by then I had had years of taking breaks of doing dry months of, okay just day ones multiple day ones just really reevaluating my relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. and for years I I was looking for like that magic pill of moderation I just oh, really yeah. wanted to still drink I it took me a long time to accept accept that I had a problem and then be done with it that that was quite a process so January 1st 2020 was the accumulation of years prior.
0: Wow. So, okay. So take me back a little bit then to like your drinking days. Like, do you think alcohol was always a problem
1: for you? Was it more of a progressive thing for you? Like, what was your relationship like with it? Well, I started drinking young. I started drinking in junior high, just like stealing our parents, hard liquor, watering down their liquor cabinets. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I'm sure kids still do that. But I think back to like my friends' parents that were heavy drinkers, and like half of their bottles of liquor would be full of water because oh of my us. God. <laughs> but I grew up in a small town in Idaho, in Moscow, Idaho, actually, where University of Idaho is there. So it was a bit. It was a small town with a big party culture, just having the campus there. And so in high school, we we could go party with, at college campus parties or, you know, I worked at my dad's restaurant and there were a lot of college students that worked there. And so it was just our recreational activity. That's what we did. We were yeah. hard partiers. And I remember being like really proud of that. Like, oh, I learned to drink because I grew up at in Moscow at the U of I, you know, it's that's like a what badge I learned of to honor. do. Yeah, totally. Like that's where <laughs> I learned to do cake stands and all of that stuff. So I knew in hindsight, looking back on it now, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting, Deb, because I remember taking a psychology class in high school because I could take college classes in high school because our college was there and whatnot. But I took a, a psychology class and I also took a, an addictions class And in hindsight, I'm like, that's interesting that you were so interested in in drinking back then. And I even remember I had to write a paper on is alcoholism, is is it a choice or a disease? And honestly, I can't remember what I decided in my paper, but I do remember writing that paper. And I do remember always questioning my drinking and wondering like, do I have a problem? Mm. And then comparing myself to this culture of drinking and, and all these people around me who were drinking just as much, or if not more, and, and just being like, it's okay. Everyone else is doing it. I'm fine. And, and so those were my early days with drinking. And then I moved down to Boise, Idaho to go to nursing school And it wasn't as much of a social thing. It was more like I was just drinking nightly. It just, and also wine became part of my repertoire. Mm. Wine at that time. So that was in the nineties, like around 99, early 2000s. That's when wine really started to up their marketing and whatnot, marketing to women. So then all of a sudden that became something that, I was doing and it was more socially acceptable to get a quote-unquote nice bottle of wine and just drink wine at night yeah (laughs) yes so were you gonna ask something I was gonna say that's so
0: funny because I've never actually even thought about that but it's true like when I started drinking I started with coolers like, like vodka coolers or whatever. And then I think that when I moved to wine, I think that was a change because I never would have felt I would have felt so weird coming home from work and like having like a, a cooler or like a vodka drink or something. But like, there's something where we trick ourselves into like, we feel like it's this like sophisticated, nice thing to like have a glass of wine. And I think I think my drinking did sort of shift when I moved to wine, but I've never thought of it that
1: way. So that's so interesting that you point that out. Yeah. Because before it was always, I was drinking with other people. It was mm-hmm. drinking to get drunk. It was a part of being at a party and the wine shifted it to being like, oh, this is about taste and refinement. And, and yeah. there's just so much more to this and it's okay to drink wine alone. Yeah. 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 So,
0: okay. So you start drinking
1: wine then. And it
0: becomes more of a nightly thing. And then where does it kind of go from there? Cause you said for a few years, you were like, this is problematic. How, try like lots of day ones. Like when did you start taking it more seriously? Like this is actually a problem that I need to address.
1: Well, I would always take dry months. I would, I would be training for a race and I would take the month off prior to the race. Not that I'm like an athlete or anything, but I got into running for a a few years there. I had a running problem. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so I would take off the 30 days before a big event and just be like, okay, you're fine. You can keep drinking. So I would do those kinds of breaks. Mm -hmm. I would say it didn't become really problematic till after I had kids, I have mm-hmm. two children now, two girls they are 13 and 16 now. And after that, I had them, I stopped working as a nurse and I just stayed at home full-time with them. And my husband was working full-time. And after I was done breastfeeding, my second daughter is when I really just started drinking a lot more alcohol. And it got to the point where I was like, I would hide it, hide it from my husband and it it became really problematic. And so that was like in 2000, I want to say 14, I think it was that I started to reach out to my my PA at my OBGYN to even even a random person at the Y when I went there to get like tested, they can test you for your fat, the amount of fat you have, uh, through their physical trainer or whatnot. And I remember crying and just saying like, I the thing is I have a problem with drinking. Wow. And and the guy, they didn't know what to do, you know, and the guy was like, I understand I have a problem with eating. eat too much. And so I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time I'd ever told anyone and broken down like that. And I remember going to do my workout or whatever afterwards. And I just thought they're going to know, like, they know now, like, are are they going to stop me on my way out? I really thought on my way out, they're going to stop me. They're going to give me like some handouts. They're going to give me some help or something. And no one ever said anything. And I mean, honestly, it wasn't their place to either. So it was just one of those kind of cry for helps, but nothing happened after that. Mm -hmm. And then I did, like I said, I I let my PA know, who was actually one of my really good friends. And she was just like, no, you're okay. I know you, like, you don't drink Mm -hmm. too much. I'm like, no, I really think I have a problem. And so I had her prescribe me naltrexone. which which is the medication that helps decrease your cravings. And so Mm -hmm. I tried that for a while and I wasn't ready to quit either also at this point. You know, I'm finally getting to like, you need to like unwind this. You need to do something about this. I tried naltrexone. It didn't really help me. Now I know it helps a lot of people and can be a game changer for people. So I don't want to like poo-poo that medication, Mm -hmm. but I did give that a try. And I did felt like I kind of got a little more manageability with my drinking. I I ended up going back to work. I honestly thought, okay, this will keep me sober. I'll go back to work and I won't drink on work nights. Mm-hmm. And and then it and I was able to just kind of moderate, quote unquote, moderate. Mm-hmm. And so when I drank, I would drink hard. And then I would take breaks and then I would, you know, drink on Friday and Saturday. And then I wouldn't drink all week or that went on for a long time. And then it wasn't till 2018 is when I first found Annie Grace and she's the author of The Saked Mind, The Alcohol Experiment. So for me, that was like really, really paradigm shifting because for the longest time, it was like the model. And I think it's still kind of quote unquote, a model out there. It's you have a problem. There's something wrong with you and you're broken because you can't drink like a normal person, normal person. And the alcohol experiment for me was so paradigm shifting because it was like, Hey, listen, alcohol is the problem. Alcohol Mm -hmm. is a carcinogen. It's a poison. It's a toxic substance and it's causing all these other issues in your life mentally and physically it's contributing to all these different harms in your life it's the alcohol and so that for me was like really eye-opening and so helpful I thought um and like I said that was 2018 and so two
0: years before yeah
1: yeah yeah. And and 2015 t- 2014 when it was when I was really like, okay, you got a problem. Right. Um and I just point that out just so that people know that change takes a long time. Yes, it, it does. And I feel like I had to go through all those day ones and all those different breaks and, and learning new things like the alcohol experiment to get to where I'm at now, which is feeling completely alcohol-free and just being done with it, Mm -hmm. which is like real freedom. But going back to like what made it So 2019 then just became my, that was a very pivotal year for me because it was when I was breaking up with alcohol wasn't always sure a hundred percent if I was done with it, but I was getting that way. And I'm gonna grab this book real quick. Hang on. Yeah. Um. Actually, when I was cleaning out my office, I found this planner from 2019. Oh, and it says, "Change your thoughts, and you change, and you change your world." Yeah. And I have in it like I started marking all my days. Of wow. drinking or not drinking. Oh, how cool that you have that. What year was I, it from, did you say? 2019. Okay. And then I started, um, I would I would start to keep percentages of like, okay, my drinking days, my non-drinking days, my half days, you know, and I do little yeah. hearts for them. And then Aww. I would have months where I was like, mm, fuck it. Fuck Yeah. Yep. And so I did that throughout the year until I finally, I knew in December, I was like, okay, Deb, like you're done. Moderation sucks. It's too hard mm-hmm. and you're done. And then I felt like I really could be done. And so I drank, of course, all Christmas break, all the way up to the last end. hurrah. Yeah. It It was always like a last hurrah. And then Um, January 1st, 2020. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wow. Oh, how cool
0: that you have that to look back on. I have a sort of similar thing, but in like a sober app, sometimes I scroll back and I forget how much I actually really tracked it. and I would add little notes to certain days or like, it's, it's so, it's so cool to look back on and I so agree with you though. Like that phase of like knowing it's problematic but not being ready to face it, and that sort of like questioning phase is such a key step. It's like the beginning to making change is is going through that. And I also I read this Naked Mind on my very first day one. <laughs> yeah. I first started. Yeah, yeah. that's so wonderful. Good. So. When you were taking, I'm really curious when you were taking your like 30 day breaks here and there, like even before you started really trying to quit, what were they like for you? Did, were you like, oh, this proves that I'm I'm fine because I was able to do this or were they kind of miserable and you were counting down the days? Like, how did your breaks go?
1: Well, for me, and this is another component I've kind of been thinking about lately, my breaks were always tied to my health and weight loss it was okay. always tied to i want to lose weight and that's why i'm taking a break because i realized and i didn't hear this term until after i quit but i realized i had some sort of form of drunkorexia have you okay. heard of that yeah i have i have but but define it for everybody's listening well and and yeah. it's not like a medical term but right. drunkorexia is basically when you save up all your calories to, to drink instead. Mm -hmm. And, and I would do that. I would not eat dinner. I wouldn't eat most of the day. I would save up my calories for drinking. I would also, Mm. like I said, I I was running, I was working out regularly. I told that story about the why, like I would really the day after drinking just kind of self-punish myself for Mm. drinking by my workouts, by overcompensating in being really healthy with what I was eating, how I was exercising, all of that. I was really hyper-focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's just interesting now that I'm removed from it. And now that I love sugar, yeah, <laughs> like it's like, oh, that's really interesting mm-hmm. how tied together they were. So for me, those 30 days before were a chance for me to really focus on weight loss mm-hmm. um, and focus on just being healthy too, because I, I knew that like, I felt better when I did them, but they weren't as much about the drinking. So they just had a different feel to them. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think yeah. I don't know if that really answered your question. I wouldn't say I was like gritting my way through it, but kind of, I do know when I was pregnant and I couldn't drink, that was really, really hard. And then when okay. I had my kids and I was breastfeeding, like that was really hard too. You know what I used
0: to, in my later drinking days, I used to literally feel stressed about the idea of pregnancy because it was nine months without drinking. Like I remember actively yes. having that thought of like, how am I going to not drink for nine months? That's going to be miserable.
1: Which well, is- and I'm, yeah, I'm embarrassed, but it's true. Like I was very good about not drinking in the first and second trimester. I was looking for evidence everywhere that I could have one drink mm. during the third trimester, which you could find that out there. I mean, now it's like, you're really kidding yourself. That really is no, um, health benefit to drinking alcohol Mm -hmm. and especially when you're pregnant. But I, I was allowing myself that one glass Mm -hmm. was never enough, but I did do it because I had my babies. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So do you think there was anything? So your, your real final, day one that stuck. Do you think there was anything that made that one different for you? Like, were there really external consequences to your drinking? Were you having conversations with family members about it? Or was it really just like your own sort of like internal struggle with it or both?
1: Well, I mean, there was nothing like I didn't have a DUI, wasn't Mm -hmm. getting in trouble at work. I was still like really into momming. (laughs) I mean, even (laughs) when my kids were young and my drinking was at its heaviest, I was a president of the PTA. I was volunteering at their schools every week. I was making sure, you know, that they had, they always had their dinner and it was always, you know, we were doing crafts together. I would take them to the park all the time. Like I was doing all the quote unquote, like good mom things. Yeah. Again, probably like trying to overcompensate. Right, right, right my downfall there. Um, so yeah. Did that ask, answer your question?
0: Yeah, it did. It did. And like, do you think there was a reason why that,
1: that last one stopped? Oh yeah. Like why you kind of were, were done? Well, I think I just, by that point I was so sick of it. I, mm-hmm. I was, just ready, and I had retrained my brain to learn like, hey, you know, like alcohol is not good for you. It's not helping you out. And you feel so much better without it. Yeah. And so that really helped. The other thing that really helped was Laura McCown's book had come out in January, too. Yep. And she had put her nine things down. And, and the first couple ones, I was like, I need to get this freaking tattooed on my wrist or mm-hmm. something. But it was, you know, it's not your fault. It is your responsibility. This is your thing. Yeah, This will never stop being your thing until you do something about it. And those first four things, I was like, holy shit. Because honestly, I needed to marry the concept of yes, alcohol is shit for your health. And, and it is, and it's awful. We've been sold a pack of lies by mm-hmm. marketing and society and culturally, and this is your thing. And this is a problem. This is your problem. This is your responsibility. So when I could marry those two concepts, then I, then it's stuck.
0: Ah, uh, I I did. So you got sober January, 2020. I did a dry January in January, 2020. And that was my first little dipping my toe into all of it. uh, And then got sober then towards the end of the year. But um, that's so funny. You point out that book came out because when I was doing that dry January, I had one of my first little combos with my mom about sort of why I was doing it. And she had that book and she read the nine things out loud Mm -hmm. to me. And that always stuck with me. And then when I got sober, I read the book, joined her, joined her club, the luckiest club, all that. But oh my god, so good! And yes, the combination of that along with the health stuff—it's so funny because I, I have never been a sciencey person. I've never been a big like health. I've never been a health nut, like. But for me, reading about all of the just like all of the evidence and science on how alcohol actually impacts our health, our brains, our bodies. I didn't know any of that. And learning that actually was a game changer for me in making it stick. And I'm curious, I know you've said that that was like sort of, you know, like you're a nurse, like that's part of your journey was like really learning about the impacts on your health. Like, how much of that d- – I'm so curious. You're a nurse. How much of that did you know? Because I feel like I did not – I knew it was bad for me. I knew it was, like, you know, bad for your liver, but I did not know the extent of it. Like, how much? Like how did learning that change it for you? How much were you
1: aware of it? Oh, I'm so I'm, I mean, same. I think that yeah. that – it even hit home for me more because I'm like, I'm a freaking nurse, and I didn't know all this. Because, like, we just – And I've heard that, that from educated. other – Yeah. I've heard it from other healthcare workers too. They're like, me neither. Um, and the irony is like, I, when I started nursing, I started at the VA, which is the veterans affairs hospital, um, here in Boise. And I started on the medical surgical floor. And part of my patient panel was detoxing veterans. And, and to me, I was just like, they have a problem because they're in the hospital and they're getting medically detoxed. And so for me, that that even like kept me stuck further in a way because I'm like, I'm I'm not hospitalized. Like I would be hung over and going through asking them these withdrawal symptoms, like, are you feeling anxious or shaky? Are you having hallucinations? All of that. I would be going through, like, shaking as I'm filling out their detox symptoms. Um, But even then, I I just didn't put it together, like, uh, uh, how harmful alcohol was. To me, it was like, well, it's only harmful if you have a really bad problem and you drink a shit ton, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, to me, it was so, so helpful to read about all of the different ways that alcohol affects your health. Absolutely.
0: Oh, that's so fascinating to hear that even like, yeah, as a nurse who is working specifically with patients in detox that you really still didn't know that I feel like it's really just now that like people are really recognizing and acknowledging how bad it really is for you. Um, like I said to you, I think last week when I was chatting with you on your podcast, like I grew up learning in school, how bad cigarettes were for you. I knew explicitly smoking causes cancer. Therefore I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And I, it just makes me wonder what if I grew up knowing alcohol causes cancer. Um, it's yeah. So I think it's really cool that that's actually being that that we know that now (laughs) and it's being talked about.
1: And I mean, the tides are turning. We're yeah. having like the World Health Organization came out and said, like, there's no safe amount of alcohol, mm-hmm. American Cancer Society, Can- Canada, you guys changed your guidelines. Yeah, there's no did. safe <laughs> amount of alcohol. So the tides are turning and that's good. We're getting new, better research too. We're finding that a lot of those studies before were just weren't conducted correctly. Mm-hmm. And so we, we are uncovering the truth.
0: Yeah, I know it's really funny how conditioned we all are because when I started reading up on this, this is oh, so funny. I wonder if she'll even remember this. I'll ask her. I'll it off. But my mom, who has been sober for like 40 years, AA at 21, um I told her like, wow, did you know how bad alcohol is for you? Like, it's so like I was telling her everything I was learning. And even she was a bit resistant to it as a sober person. She was like, well, doctors have always said a glass of red wine is good for you. And I was like, no, but it's only good for you because of the grapes. You could just get all of it from grapes. And she was like, well, no, like she was even kind of resistant to it. And she wasn't even a drinker. It's not like she was defensive of drinking, but it, it, like it was
1: just so ingrained like yeah glass of red wine good for your heart well and that's purposeful like if, mm. if you're an alcohol advertiser or marketer you're gonna say drink responsible responsibly and it's yeah. your fault if you can't drink responsibly it's not the alcohol and so yeah. we're really like uncovering that
0: yeah I know it it, it it was brilliant on on their part to really put the onus on the drinker use this addictive substance moderately (laughs) responsibly. Um, Okay. So how was, how was early sobriety for you? What, how did, how how was it? Like, how did you feel during it? What really
1: helped you? What worked well for you? Well, so, so once it stuck, (laughs) what helped for me was Well, knowing that I was done, like I had made the decision, I think that we get stuck in this land of riding the fence for a while. Like, I don't know if I'm done. I might go back. I might back and forth. So, so having decided I'm done was actually very freeing for me. So that was helpful. Um, We talked about this before, like the pandemic for me was helpful because timing, (laughs) Yeah. Everything shut down. There there was no happy hour. There were no bars. There wasn't you know, that social component to it, which would always bring me back in. Usually what mm. brought me back in would be like, oh, I'm going out to dinner with friends or there's a bachelorette party or there's a wedding or there would always be something socially that I'd be like, but I really want to drink for that. Yeah. And so to have that paused for everybody- really helped me just continue my momentum. And, and then I think I also knew at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm a nurse. I'm a health coach. I'd been working as a nurse and a health coach for years. I knew I, once I got to the other side, I could help other people and I wanted to help other people too, because I felt so alone Mm. and I felt like, my only options were AA or inpatient rehab, and that just never resonated for me. And so I knew there had to be another way, another middle ground. You know, I I worked actually just left my job as an RN, sadly, but mm-hmm. um, I had been working for years in wellness nursing when I went back to work after I had my kids, and we treat chronic disease. We do chronic disease management. It's very preventative health focus. So we are treating people for pre-diabetes, pre-hypertension. We, we are getting these conditions before they become a bigger problem and you end up hospitalized for them. We don't do that With alcohol use, with addiction, Mm. especially in the medical community. It's like you don't get treated until you come into the ER and you're overdosing or you've had an accident or you're detoxing and you go into DTs or seizures, right? So I really wanted to have another option for people who haven't hit the proverbial rock bottom, you know, for people who are, you know, alcohol use disorder going back to, is it, is alcoholism a a disease or a choice? Well, alcoholism is, is no longer a term we use in the medical community. We use alcohol use disorder and it's on a spectrum from mild to moderate to severe. So how can we help people before they get to that severe side. And, and that's like an area that's really um, missing. I think mm-hmm. like you are helping now and Annie Grace was so groundbreaking with yeah. the alcohol experiment and just having like this whole sober curious movement. Like that is so groundbreaking and it's so helpful. in helping people change and quit drinking because you don't have to have a drinking problem to have a problem with drinking. Like you can yes. just, quit drinking because it's shit for your health yes so well said so important
0: it absolutely exists on a spectrum and I think the narrative of like needing it to be a certain level of bad before you quit is so problematic and I think it's if anything it's really empowering to make the decision to do it before you even get to that point um and how – it must be interesting for you if you started trying to quit really in, like, 2019. Like, I feel like there's been such a change from from then to now of, like, how this is talked about and the level of awareness. And just, like, the community that exists now that's doing it in a different way. And you're helping so much with that, too, and just, like, having these conversations – Um, And with your podcast and everything, and that must just like be, I feel like what a difference. I'm sure in 2019, when you were starting out, it was a much different kind of world with it even. And it's only been a few years.
1: (laughs) I remember, I think it's still kind of, it was starting to blossom. But I remember when I started my Instagram account, which I didn't start until after the elections in 2020 i was like i'm going to wait till the elections are over um <laughs> but i i thought there are, there will probably only be like five other sober instagram accounts <laughs> I thought this in my little head, like there, <laughs> there can't possibly be other people doing this. Yeah. Well, there were, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of sober accounts. And you know, we talked about this too, when you were on my show, like it is such a special pocket of the social media world. It's such like mm-hmm. a positive pocket of the social I world know. too. But, but so I did think, oh, I, I thought I was all alone and you're not, and I think that I hope that is comforting for people to hear, like, wow, you really are not alone. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of people um that are going through this. Absolutely. Yeah. So you hadn't you hadn't
0: really like stumbled upon the sober Instagram community before you just like went to start your own and you were like,
1: Oh, wait, there's lots of people here. <laughs> I wasn't on Instagram like at all. Okay. I was I'm the older generation. So I was on Facebook, which is like your parents' social media. (laughs) (laughs) So when I went on Instagram, I had like a very small account. I had maybe posted two things before. And so um, when I went on Instagram with Alcohol Tipping Point, I was like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. And, but what like a pleasant surprise. And I think that has been so meaningful is just to connect with other people who are doing this and helping other people change their drinking. Like, I just think it's fantastic. There's so many options out there.
0: Yeah. Oh, so true. Couldn't agree more. Um, that being said, so now kind of looking at your life now you're over three, close to three and a half years sober. Um, how, how do you feel like it's changed your life? Like what's your life like now in comparison to when you were drinking?
1: Oh, it's, I mean, it's changed everything. i I like to say like sober, and sobriety is my superpower, right? Yeah. It's that magic pill. I I was looking for the magic pill of moderation. And honestly, like, <laughs> right? The magic pill is sobriety because mm-hmm. it makes everything better and easier. It's just like, I didn't even realize that I was like in this gray fog until the fog was lifted. And so I, it's just like better sleep, better health my relationship with my husband has improved my relationship with my kids work just got so much easier. I was so much more productive, so much more focused. Um, and so all of those things, more energy, just more joy, more day-to-day joy in life and joy in like little, the little things. Yeah just so i i would just say everything has gotten better i i think before i was really always living life you know the day after drinking i would probably be at like a 30 to 40% mm-hmm. and maybe i'd get back up to 70% but now it's like now i can be at 100% oh
0: i love that and i could yeah. not agree more the small joys that i feel like alcohol robs a lot of us of <laughs> um what would you say to someone who's listening who is maybe struggling with their relationship with alcohol or maybe they're like in the early days what would you say to that person
1: i would just say that you are not alone that you're not broken mm-hmm. that your your brain has just learned that it gets you know Just going back to how our brains work in general, we are wired, we are hardwired to move towards pleasure and away from pain in the quickest way possible. And alcohol, our brain has learned, is a quick way to move towards pleasure and away from pain. So if you find that you are struggling with drinking, that if you've gotten to this habit of drinking too much, just know that it's not because you're broken it's because your brain is doing exactly what it was wired to do and it it is a habit and that means that you can undo it that you can recover it is possible it is the norm to recover i was actually reading a stat there there was a study that had come out from the cdc that 75% of people reported being in recovery from substance use disorder so it is the norm to recover to get better. And so, I would just tell that person like, uh, bravo, good for you for doing something about your drinking, for wanting to change. Know that it it takes practice, but it is so worth it. Just be kind and compassionate to yourself and know that you're not alone and there's help out there. So well said. I love that. And such a
0: good point too. Like I love hearing that take on it just like your brain is hardwired for that. It's not a flaw within you. Um, oh my God. Thank you so much, Deb. This was thank so you. much fun to chat with you and to get to hear your story. Um, where can everybody find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, everything?
1: Well, super. You can find me. I'm alcohol tipping point. So I have a website, alcohol tipping point.com. That is my Instagram handle <laughs> alcohol Tipping Point. And I also run monthly dry groups. So if you want to explore your relationship with alcohol, if you want to take a break and practice not drinking, that's what I tell people, like we're practicing not drinking. It's a new habit for us. And so you can take a break in like a safe, supportive, private space for 30 days. You don't have to decide that you're done forever. You can just use this time to explore your relationship with alcohol and learn about the effects of alcohol and whatnot. So I call those monthly dry groups, alcohol Holidays because <laughs> I, I think it's the a name gift. so much. It's well, such it's a, a cute total, name. yeah, it's a total gift. It's like spring break for your health. So, um, you can find that at alcohol tipping point.com slash And yeah, I would love to hear from anyone out there who needs help. Thank you so much for coming on Deb. This was so fun. Well, thank you Madeline. It's been my pleasure. I love chatting with you and I'm excited for you and all you're doing and your sober travel trips. Let's sound amazing.
0: Oh, thanks. I'm so excited for everything you're doing as well. And I'm excited to keep following along and seeing what unfolds. (laughs) Thanks Deb. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening this week. Be sure to follow Deb on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point. Listen to her podcast. Follow along on everything that she's doing. If you enjoyed this episode, then feel free to share it on social media or share it with a friend. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Instagram at Happiest Sober. And you can subscribe to my newsletter at happiestsober.com. I hope you have an amazing week. Remember that life's happiest when you're sober. Bye.